please enter room 2008. Room 2008. We are live on twitch.tv slash room 2008 ENT for another episode as we always are. Peter, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Yep. Lance, how you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. I I'm feel doing just, Yeah, just fantastic. I just uh, saw uh, Mr. Cuckpit down there is doing pretty, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're not following it. us on Twitch, please do so because tonight's a special night. We have a special guest. So we would like for everybody to join us and uh, you know be able to interact with us, ask us questions. Uh, I'm going to give it off to Lance here in a second to do a big grandiose intro for him. Uh, but I do want to say, follow us on Twitter. I'm going to get all these plugs out of the way. Room 2008 ENT2. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Room 2008 ENT. And shoot us an email, especially about this episode, because uh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions answered. But you know there might be some other stuff people are... Want to know about Flight Pass and Flight Earth and all that good stuff? So shoot us an email at room2008ent at gmail.com. And tonight's special guest, he told me that he has specific proof, documentation, a paper trail that the world governments are colluding with the major airliners, suppressing information about Flat Earth. And he, he said he wants to, quote, <laughs> blow the lid off this son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about that. That's that's pretty incredible. I really think. Yeah, uh, uh, but no, he actually never said any of that. But uh, anyway, uh, Lance, why don't you go, go ahead and introduce our special guest? So what is the, what is that uh, that uh, corporation, uh, Mister Sky Lord, that's going to bring everybody down and prove flat Earth? Um, <laughs> by the time we're getting some viewers here, I just wanted to kind of go into it. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our the man of the hour. So. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, hold on tight to your seatbelts and make sure your tray tables are in a fully upright locked position because we got one heck of a guest on tonight's <laughs> mind-boggling perspective from the sky, Flat Earth episode. Get ready to have your minds blown, your skepticism tested, your sense of reality flipped upside down. All thanks to our next, <laughs> thanks to our next <laughs> guest, who, the man who defies gravity while dishing out conspiracy truth bombs like a high-flying kamikaze. He's not just a pilot, folks. No. He's a master baiter of the skies. With seven years of experience soaring through the heavens, he's been a regular passenger on the flight of freedom. But before that, he took to the skies as a flight instructor, molding young minds into the believers of a different kind. And if that wasn't enough to pique your curiosity, this man has been commanding the cock. <laughs> This, I'm sorry. This man's been uh, commanding the cockpit of a Boeing 767 for a major cargo company, delivering packages and secrets to the furthest four corners of the world. In a world where round is considered the norm, our guest has taken a seat in our room tonight, daring to question the very shape of our planet. So you better watch your wives and your daughters around this jet setter. Buckle up, my friend. <laughs> Because this truth seeker is about to share tales from the cockpit that will make you question everything you thought you knew. From 
high altitude conspiracy. <laughs> 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 he hit it too soon. Too soon. Audience cut him off. The mind bending flight patterns. We're discussing it all from the captain's chair. So without further ado, please welcome my good friend, Maverick of the Hour, unapologetic masculine and sometimes fiercely provocative. Our eyes in the sky, cargo pilot extraordinaire, Mr. Skylord himself. You already wow. got the applause. Yeah. Wow, what an intro. Beautiful. Holy cow. What an intro. I want that on my tombstone there. <laughs> yeah, big ass tombstone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Chat GPT it. for writing that out for Lance. Uh, oh, yeah. Is that really what that was? I played, yeah, I, play, I played with GPT on that. Oh my God. Awesome. I gave That's basically, awesome. if you envision Mr. Skylord, I gave the description of like his, his face and, and, every, and all of his features in the GPT, and it came up with all these um, just awesome remarks about what he's done and, and how masculine, sometimes uh, fiercely provocative. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, they nailed it. That AI is getting smart, you know. Oh my god! I, well, I came up with that part, damn it. But anyways, oh, sorry. <laughs> maybe you're the AI. Could be. No, but that GP, I encourage anybody get on there. Just man, I love that's it. crazy. I love it. Yeah, it really my mind is blown. Yep, yep. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Lance, you got that list of questions or no? Well, I do have a couple things I want to get off my chest first because this is the first time we've had a pilot on the episode, and we are a conspiracy podcast. And before we get into the uh, the seriousness and the the flat Earth episodes, I just have a couple uh, uh, little kind of jokes to start it off. So, uh, okay. yeah, I know <laughs> this is another little fun fun thing of the uh, GPT. So, wow. Skylord, why did the cross dressing pilot's career never take off? Too much drag. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a dangerous one. In today's climate. That's dangerous. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't answer. All right. No, but uh, seriously, though, I have family in the aviation field. Uh, I don't know if I ever talked to you, Scott. Lord. We were talking earlier. That I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but, yeah, my uh, granddad actually killed 50 German pilots in World War II. So this would be fun. He was a uh, – well, he wasn't a very skilled mechanic at all oh my gosh <laughs> thinking about it now <laughs> that's rough <Yeah. laughs> y'all aren't making this easy <laughs> it's complete silence now i know why i would never do something comedy. so uh grady though for real though uh we were talking on the phone earlier about like what we we're gonna cover and uh is it true what you told me on the phone that earlier like that you were inspired by r kelly <laughs> I can't recall, I, uh, honestly. I assumed it was because of that, you know, I believe I can fly song, you know, but you said it was for other things. Uh, what other things were you referring to that inspired you about R. Kelly? The only thing I can think about, you know, that song, if it doesn't remind you of Space Jam, then we can't be friends, you know. I hear you. I, all right, it. I had to get off my chest. That's what I got. That's what I got. Where are those... Little, That's beautiful. I'm gonna have to clap for myself. That's beautiful. A little icebreaker there. I love it. Co-host won't help me out here. <laughs> I did it too early last time. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, now, seriously, though, Skylord, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Seriously, appreciate you coming on, doing Glad this. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on our show. Yeah, <laughs> might come again. <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if Peter's gonna be able to get through the night. <laughs> 
damn it, you guys. Peter's out of breath already from last. I need to start doing those pilot breathing exercises just to not black out here. <laughs> we were just, yeah, that's that's uh. So we were talking. We we oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Oh, I was just gonna say we were talking about uh, what was the name of the movie? Top Gun Maverick. Uh, before the show, and uh, wow, what a great movie! And pilot approved over here. Yes, right. very much. It's nice. pretty accurate, honestly. Nice. Just the training portion of the movie was just so intense. Yeah, very accurate. I mean, they even discuss going to how much they plan and stuff for it. That's highly accurate. I know the Blue Angels. I think they they brief. I think two hours for every hour they fly. So if they fly a four-hour stint, they brief for eight hours before they even touch the plane, which wow. is insane. So brief briefing, especially in the military and the, the aviation world on that side, is is very strenuous. I can't so. imagine. So like the Blue Angels, every second's accounted for, right? Like everybody knows exactly at every – got to. Right, yeah. yeah the, uh, they're flying so close together and just – you get into somebody's uh, wash, somebody's jet stream, or, you know, it, you'll spin, you'll tag the other person, and it's just a domino effect. Like, oh my. The, precision, the precision they have to have is insane. It, it truly is insane. Wow. Especially, like, you go up and, you know, with the student, or when you get your pilot's license, just the technical skills you have to develop, you know, to see that beginning block to where they're at it's it's incredible like you're saying every second milliseconds like they got to know everything to a t just like you know a marching band would have to march in step you know with everything to look right you yeah. know they're for if they're off you know it's catastrophic it has a very uh it's not very forgiving at all so wow it's, it's pretty well and much uh, respect those, those those planes are so loud I, I can't believe how loud they are in person. One time I was playing at a festival, I think in Georgia, maybe Vidalia, Georgia. The Onion Festival. The Onion Festival. <laughs> Coincidentally. <laughs> but uh, they flew over and we were, uh, you know, I was playing and I have my, always have my uh, guitar amp turned up, you know, balls loud. And uh, I couldn't hear anything because of those jets. It was so loud. Blew my mind. Yeah. Andrew, you're yeah, it's incredible. It like, they uh oh yeah absolutely you got you got uh older pilots most of them are starting to retire now that you know hearing protection wasn't as evident as now you know oh, you didn't damn. have noise canceling stuff like that and they have hearing problems and that's one of the things you know the faa regulates when you get your medical and your checkup uh that's one of the things obviously you want to be able to hear you know right. if you're communicating with tower much less you know other other things but uh I mean, your hearing's obviously important, and uh, so many you don't moving miss, parts. Uh, yeah, it really is. You don't. I mean, you don't want to miss a uh, crucial instruction by the tower lower the ground. So they regulate the hearing loss or the hearing uh, part on the FAA exam uh, for your medical. But yeah, when you're talking about them guys in uh, Vietnam and the early '90s, even that you know, without mm -hmm. noise cancellation, their hearing is bad. Damn, 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 yep. damn. Have you have you flown internationally before? Oh yeah, yeah. I flew international. 
I've flown international a handful of times. Uh, my most recent time was uh, the beginning of last month. Uh, I flew. I was in Iceland, and I flew from Iceland to uh, to Italy and back. Wow! Are the yeah? The Iceland's towers, pretty cool. So, like when you when you go, it might not be so bad over there, but like because you know the towers everywhere everywhere speak English, correct? Yeah, everywhere in the world. That's the, uh, every tower has to speak English. You know, are the, if, are, are, the are the accents like, or, or do the towers like, do they, are they like, you can understand them clearly or is it like hard to understand sometimes because of accents or. So there's, there's a, there's definitely accents, uh, but they do have to speak clearly enough, you know, and of course some do better than others. If it's bigger facilities, they have access yeah. to better people and more people some of the more rural places which we don't go that often they'll have thicker accents and it's it's a little harder to understand and yeah. uh, uh but it's clear enough and you know the good thing about uh, aviation there's like standard terminology there's like uh you know when you're asking for something or you're receiving instructions you're supposed to uh, repeat it um and there's like a standard phraseology there so if you're somewhere like in Asia or something and they give you, uh, they give you an instruction, they're expecting to hear a certain phrase back. And if okay. you give them some American slang, yeah, you know, they're not going to know what you're doing. They're trained for that phraseology. Oh, so wow. just cause they speak it in the tower and they, you know, and most of them have a grasp, most of the world grasps English, you know, fairly well. Sense, so though, if you start yeah, throwing out some, so if you start throwing out slang language. and culture yeah. language, you know, you'll throw them off. And of, of course, you know, you're not trying to hold a conversation with them. Um, if it's, but if it's an emergency situation, if you're not giving them the right information and they don't know what you're saying and you don't know what they're saying, it causes a big problem. So that's why there's like a standard phraseology, but yes, there is a difference uh, depending on where you're at in the world. Uh, if you're more rural, um, it's not uncommon to go to a tower frequency and you hear them speaking their native language until, but once you start speaking English, they have to immediately switch over to English, wow. which is pretty oh. cool. But, uh, yeah. the hardest one for me so was, uh, like in school. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the hardest one for me was Greeks, uh, going to Greece one time, hmm. uh, just the way they speak and their speech pattern they like run together everything like this and you don't know what they're saying and you know they're saying yeah. the same phraseology but instead of splitting it up in sections and sentences they run it together a paragraph and like into like one long sentence and you're supposed to repeat everything and that's a form of acknowledgement to let them know that you understand what they're saying ah. so when they're spitting off a paragraph in one sentence rattling it off it's like okay in an accent a thick accent it's like okay how much did i really get there so Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's not like you could be the judge and report somebody that you hear in Greece and say, "Hey, their English is is too bad. I, I can't understand them." They go on this paper and they're reviewed. Anything like that? No, but they have. I mean, if it causes an incident or uh, <laughs> planning to go down, because yeah, not that, not not an accident, <laughs> like an incident, like <laughs> hey, you know, well, you, you didn't follow instructions or someone was too. Uh, get too close to someone else or something. It calls a potential uh, event or something, bust a regulation or something, and it's a cause 
of the language barrier, then it will be documented and a pilot could request for it to be documented. Likewise, uh, a traffic controller could uh, could do the same with the uh, pilot because there's pilots that are made everywhere in the world too. So they have to pass the same English uh, proficiency as well. So it, it good. it's a two-way street. Yeah, um, yeah. So they have to pass to get your uh, both of those ratings to get your air traffic control license or pilot's license, you have to meet an English standard uh, to be able to be signed off to get them because they don't want to release you out in the world and you go yeah. somewhere where you can't communicate. On top of aviation so. school and everything else. I guess right. in yeah. most other countries, they already know English going into college usually anyways. I, I yeah. So. I mean, just imagine uh, someone drop you off somewhere well, I wouldn't say Russia, not now, but you know, somewhere <laughs> in China or somewhere or Asia, somewhere in Asia right. where they don't speak any any English, and then you have to do something that could potentially hurt a lot of people. And it's like right. communication is key. So when that bond's broken, it's like, oh, the potential for things happening is not great. Because yeah. I mean, Isaac Newton was correct. Uh, what goes up comes down, whether you want it to or not. So, oh, shit, there goes our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, on the note of gravity, uh, we got to talk yeah. about the elephant in the room, the the okay. big F, the big F E question. Yep. Yeah. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's I, um. Uh, go ahead, Peter. Uh, I know we got. I got. We got a bunch of questions. Uh, well, maybe not a bunch, but uh, I I have a few myself. Uh, and summer. Uh, flat Earth related and uh, some are paranormal related, so we'll we'll talk about both of that. But yeah, I yeah, was okay. gonna say um, I, I was gonna say th this episode um, I, I'll speak for myself. I'm not a flat earther. I like to entertain the thought of it. So um, you know, a lot of the same questions go around the flat Earth community, I guess, on Twitter, uh, YouTube, stuff like that. So we're just gonna try and get some of these uh, questions answered, uh, get a different perspective on everything because I have no idea about air travel. I have no idea about certain things. So. Uh, it's kind of what this episode is going to be about, um, you know, just kind of getting more knowledge about it and, and uh, entertaining the thought uh, either way, if it's, you know, if it's, uh, if it can be or not, you know. What yes, you I'm, I'm interested in, uh, in sort of debunking. Right. I, I really, I seek to debunk it because, you know, there's certain things that I've discovered uh, in, in researching the flat earth uh, movement or whatever. That a couple of things in there bother me, and we're going to talk about that. And I and I want your sure. expert opinion on the matter. So yeah, so sure. let's clear the path real quick. Skylord, are you a flat earther at this moment? No. Yes. No. <laughs> All right, cockpit. Are you a flat earther? All right. Give so the short an, short answer. <laughs> uh, I I think the Earth is round, but possibly not in the sense that we're told. That's, that's my official stance. All right. Jurnell, you're not a flat earther. And uh, Spruce Goosey over here, I'm not a flat earther. I lean, I I lean towards it. What's that? I lean towards it. Oh, yeah? He's a leaner. He's a leaner. All right. So we'll just go ahead go straight into it. We got a lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, you said you, you've flown internationally. Um, I'm just curious. So what's yeah. the highest altitude? I guess you're restricted by that, obviously. But what would – what would be the highest altitude that you've flown? The highest altitude I've personally flown is 41,000 feet. Wow. 41,000. So All right. It's so up there. She's up there. 
Wow. Is there a clear curvature of the Earth at that altitude? No, there's not a clear curvature of the and Earth. That's Room 2008's episode. Did no. <laughs> <laughs> it! Did it, boys! We got it! No. <laughs> yeah, clip it. Just clip it there. No, there's not. No, we did not pay him to say that. No, I'm joking. All right, so... Uh, okay. No, I appreciate yeah, it. Now, I'm trying not to make this like 20 questions, but I do have it in a question. Just I mean, we got a lot of stuff. There, ha- there happens to be 20. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you're saying there's not a clear curvature of the earth at that altitude. I'll give you the, the stress on that clear. Like there, There's a maybe in there. Um, yeah. So it's not a complete giveaway or anything like that to being a flat earth. But if you traveled in one direction, and this comes up very often. So if you traveled in one okay. direction for, let's say, six hours at the same altitude, would you end up further from the ground due to the curvature? And can you explain how that works with your equipment, GPS systems, how they account for the curvature um, in that sense? Does that make sense? Great question. That's, That's one of my questions. questions. Yeah, so it, it makes sense. Um, I'll try to explain it as best as I can without getting – like two in the weeds or technical or anything but uh so our systems are autopilot and everything it's based off pressure like like, uh, ambient pressure barometric pressure atmospheric pressure so uh imagine um take the ocean the deeper you go the pressure you know it's pretty standard the deeper you go the pressure gets more intense right sure so it's just, it, it's kind of the same when you're in the atmosphere. So our systems work. It, it goes off the air pressure. You set an air pressure, and it's pretty standard along those lines of the atmosphere. So it's not really – we don't have our equipment that just shoots a laser radar and says, hey, you're 10,000 feet above the ground at this point in time, and then you go 10 miles, and then it compensates for 10,000. It follows – it follows the if this is the Earth, I see you got the, at, the atmosphere. There's different layers of, oh, I guess this way, layers of pressure. You okay. know, depending on how high. So if you set it to that, it follows that pressure. Okay. So it comp. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's and not the really is that c- consistent and that specific, like um, measurable. At, at, that, at those altitudes, yes, yes. I mean, that, when, when you're at lower altitudes, stuff like terrain and leaks and water, they heat differently, and it can cause different uh, pressures, which that's when you're closer to the ground and stuff. Right. And that's why when you're lower to the ground, if you're a private pilot, commercial pilot, uh, you know, putting around in a four-seater or something, say you're going from Memphis to Nashville, so you'll get a – uh, barometric pressure from this uh, control tower, they'll say your pressure is 2992. So you'll set that almost every time. It's right at the field elevation, which is the elevation that you're at from sea level. And as soon as you take off, get out of the airspace, they might say, hey, now you're close enough to Nashville. We're going to give you to the Nashville air traffic controllers. As soon as you check in, they're going to give you another local altimeter setting could be 2994 so then you correct it and that it corrects your altimeter to that altitude okay. so as you're is that you following it's it's kind of yeah, weird yeah. without me showing you 
Well, also, too, I don't want to be like, well, what about this? What about that? Because we didn't go to school for it. We're not trying to, like, sit here and examine sure. all their – It's kind of hard to explain. Right. But you're not – I guess I guess your thought of your question is you're, you're – use, you think we're using instruments to base off the ground in relationship to the ground, or relationship to the atmospheric pressure. That's what okay. it's going off. So does that make sense? Kinda... So is it sort of reversed to the ocean, like the deeper into the ocean you go – the more pressure, obviously, because there's more water around you. When you yeah. is it the opposite, you go higher. Yeah. Up, there's more pressure. Okay. All right. So uh, let me let me follow up with that then. Just just to stay on that question. Um, there's a little bit of math, which I'll go into. I sent it to you just to kind of you know, make sure we're on the same page with all this. Uh, eight inches times the distance squared is a formula that a lot of people use for a shorter distance on a long, like international flight. It might not be as is. Uh, what's what's the word exact i guess you know accurate but um and that's the curvature formula well i i I got a little link the earthcurvature.com but i've kind of so the math is eight inches times the distance squared three miles would be three times three times eight 72 inches at 500 miles the earth would fall away at 166,495 feet if the plane is traveling at 500 miles per hour the earth is falling away at a rate of 2,775 feet per minute are you saying so? If autopilot is off, the pilot must reduce the altitude by 2,775 feet per minute or 46 feet per second to maintain 35,000 feet. Let's just say. So, are you saying that the equipment uses the uh, the, the the pressure? Is it actually uh, you know going down by 2,775? I mean, not exact, you know, obviously, but uh, is it is it actually adjusting? Well, in that sense, well, you gotta you, you gotta think. You know, you, you got the Earth; it, it's round. This is how you can explain it here. So uh-huh. it's round, and then you got the atmosphere around it, right? So it's the pressure radiates different all the way up to the outer edges, but it's right. this—it's almost equal distance. So if it's, you know, if you're on that third ring out at a certain altitude or whatnot, just for example's sake. And you set your altimeter to read, hey, you want to stay on this third ring, then then it'll stay on it. You know, it's not going to have to – you're not looking for the ground and be like, oh, we, we're going down eight feet. You know, it's not going to keep right. – it's not yeah. looking at the ground. It's looking at pressure. Because right. if you were to make instruments, say like a radar altimeter, which you do have in the plane, but that's – that's for like shooting approaches and let you know when you're close to the ground in bad conditions. Uh, you don't use it as your main uh, instrument instrumentation, you know, your navigational system. So if you were to do that, let's say you did have equipment where when you're flying along, it just shoots a laser down and says, Hey, you're exactly 10,000 feet. You're exactly 10,000 feet. Let's say, what if you go to the Rockies, all of a sudden you start coming upon a mountain and it shoots that laser and it says, Oh, Oh, we're oh, 2,000. Oh, we're 3,000. And it's on autopilot. It is just going to skyrocket to try to maintain 10,000 feet. That's why they don't use stuff like that to navigate. That You have to use pressure because it's pretty much correlated around. Does that make, that makes sense? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Because it would uh, be a real, it'd make a real sharp, every time real sharp deal. up at the Rockies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Go up 10 feet. It'd be a real bumpy <laughs> ride. And, like especially in the Rockies, it's, it always blows my mind when, when I'm going from 
uh, East Coast to West Coast because, you know, you got the plains and it's flat and there's just, you know, those little flyover Wait, what, states. What flat, or what? There's, did you say there? The plains. <laughs> the actual so the plains in the Midwest. <laughs> That's right. And we got them. So it, I always think back to the people, not to get off on a tangent, I always think to the people that, you know, are, we're on the Oregon Trail that were like, hey, let's go west. And they got all the way over the Rockies and it was like, screw this. This <laughs> We're stopping here because it goes from plains to just aggressive mountains over there at Denver. And that's why Denver is just a big city right in front of the mountains. It's pretty funny. That John Denver's full of it. shit, man. Sorry. Yeah, it's rocky. <laughs> I had no idea flying in to the airport that we flew into. It's all flat. Like, yeah. seriously, just – just awful. Like, seriously, like the airport yeah. was yeah. on this flat plane. I had no idea. And then you have all the mountains in the back. Like a couple miles away, it just skyrockets up to mountains. Yeah. I had no idea it was flat where, the, you know, like Denver is basically. And yeah. um, that was pretty cool. Did that so, answer your question? Yeah, okay. it does. And I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, in terms of, I, I see what you're saying. So you have the atmosphere, which is a perfect circle, let's just say. And it's following that pressure, so it's just kind of gliding through, following the pressure. The ground could be doing whatever, and it's just falling through. Um, I, I guess the maybe the question is still kind of out there, just in that the plane, uh, yeah, the altitude doesn't move, is what you're saying. The altitude's not going to move; it's the same. So, so it take your about I the guess, curvature uh, or whatever because it's you, just falling altitude. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The yeah, problem. so if you take your, your logo on the flag back there, imagine the center. You see the logo, the little keyhole? Mm. So imagine the center is the earth, and that second one is the atmospheric pressure, and the, the one on the very outside right there is the, the very edge. If you're mm. trying to maintain that center line, it's good. That's the pressure ring you're wanting to, yeah, to maintain with your altimeter setting, and that's that what that, that autopilot is going to keep following. So it's no not matter, like you got to keep pushing the nose of, right? Yeah, no matter what the ground level is, that has no right? Because it, it it don't want to look at the ground because, right. like I said, you know it's all good and gravy when everything is decently flat. But once you get into a mountain range, then you're gonna have problems. Yeah, uh, big ones. Uh, so not for long, but big ones. <laughs> one thing that bothers me, and you said forty-one thousand feet. And, and yeah. you can't truly detect the curvature uh, from from that high up. What bothers me is, uh, and I studied no, uh, you... perspective drawing um, uh, for much of my life, uh, and uh, it, it's really complicated to do an accurate drawing because uh, you could, you have to uh, to mark a vanishing point, and sometimes the drawing will, like you'll have to put like four sheets of paper together and measure across the vanishing point won't even be in the drawing, but you'll use the center yeah. paper where the drawing is. You have to measure out all the lines and it's uh, it's, it's super complex, but the laws of perspective are what bug me. And uh, as it pertains to, to flat earth, what bugs me about it is the horizon seems to always meet eye level, no matter how high up you are. And that bugs me. Yeah. I've, I've looked that out you can't, the plane. That you can't see a curve? Yeah. Because as uh, uh, as Lance uh, Sprucey Goose, uh, Goosey, uh, said, uh, he, he, uh, he was talking about the curvature formula. 
so what bothers me about that is that seems to be such a uh, exponential rate of curve that if we were to rise above it, we would see we would see the the curve make the horizon fall beneath us. But if we go up in a hot air balloon or even in a plane and look out the window, it meets eye level again. And you know, pertaining to the horizon. I've been to the beach multiple times and like a nerd, you know, I'd bring uh, like a yardstick and I would hold the yardstick up and I would go to where the land meets the edge of the water on the left side. And then I would hold it as straight as I can. And then I would start following the horizon. And, and once I meet the other side of the beach, it stayed perfectly straight the whole time. Now what bugs me about that is, you know, how, there's uh there's these videos that have been circulating about you know ships going over the curve, but then these Nikon P1000s zoom right back in on them because they're such powerful lenses. That bugs me. And Chicago being spotted now there is I, I did look into this pretty deeply and uh, uh, Drew you'll be you'll be interested in this. Uh, you know that that news report about the Mirage. Uh yeah yeah where they're like what you're seeing here is a Mirage. Now there is a mirage that happens over Lake Michigan, and it and it, what it does is it shows a weird. I've seen video of it. It's a weird flipped skyline with uh, it's, it's like distorted. It's weird. But the one that they showed on the news, there's been other videos that have circulated. And they're incredibly hard to find now, especially on like YouTube. And uh, I can't find anything on DuckDuckGo anymore. Like it's it's essentially Google now. But uh. They uh, they would zoom in on these ships, and they would zoom in on uh, Chicago, 36 miles across Lake Michigan. But it should be hidden behind curve. Well, let's uh, Drew, if you can, uh, can you click that link? Mine's a mine's an image, and can we put like 60 miles in there and see what the curvature would be based on the math as far as the uh, what's what side is it? It's the uh, EarthCurvature.com. It's an and, while, and while I was looking looking that up, uh, Skylord, I just wanted I, I wanted to uh, ask you about the uh, the horizon always rising to eye level. What what do you think about that? Well, I know the, the videos it, that it, you're talking about. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You did say Skylord. No, you get about this time. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is interesting. You know, you, you would think that high up, you would see something. I think. You know, in the past and then, you know, history, all the pictures and ideas of, you know, pictures they've been putting out there, it shows a very, I don't know, just with the fish eye lenses, you know, stuff like that, that shows more of a concave than, or round right. than it is. I think that has kind of stuck in people's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's weird. I, I, I would think, you know, at 41,000 feet, you would see more. But I will say, um, you know, I've gone west coast to east coast multiple times when the uh, sun's rising. And while you can't see a curve, right when the beginning of the sun rises, right before it comes up, you can actually see when the sun comes up, it's kind of, well, I guess this way, bent. You know, it comes up like this instead of like straight. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. you would You would think if it's flat, like truly flat, that it would come up like headlights, like just straight up like this mm-hmm. instead of this and I actually i i got a picture to kind of explain i don't know if you can see it this 
kind of like oh. if you want to if you want to email it would you be able to email email that to the room 2008 email real quick i can share the screen yeah and it's somewhere like kind of oh sorry uh, can't really Reverse. see it. Yeah, send the Yeah, pick. I mean, there. I do kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I got some lights are not really helping, but. Unless there's um, an actual like, spot, it's always. Yeah, I can see like the large. Uh... Yeah. So you can actually you can actually see kind of a distinct curve in the light coming across the horizon. But if okay. you notice the horizon, it looks flat. So it's kind of like if it's truly flat, and if it was, if you're raising a light above a table, like if the sun was to come over a flat surface, it would just light would just come up. You know mm. what I'm saying? So that's that's what I think. That's you know, and I'm not a know it all or you know a genius by any means, but you can definitely see a curve in the light on the sun sunrise. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look up some photos of that if I can. And, yeah. uh, was, send, it, was, that, was that a picture? Was that a picture you took? Yeah. Can you can you email cool. that and I can share the screen? Yeah. So. Peter can sure. Yeah, yeah the reason I was chiming in earlier why you're gonna email that is uh, I wanted to do the math because um we had you were asking about the horizon and seeing Chicago and it's important to note that you know how much of a curvature would that be across the lakes and stuff like that. And um so I was gonna get the exact footage that would be the difference and see if it's something crazy or if it's something that uh it's like sixty miles what would be the curvature in feet? Uh, looks like twenty four hundred. So twenty four hundred feet. So way more than what a building would stand. Right. So it yeah. should be like completely mm-hmm. hidden. But you know the mainstream explanation is that it's a mirage. But right. the the actual mirages that I've seen have been incredibly distorted. The that footage. I can't remember what the photographer's name was that took it, but uh, uh, that footage shows Chicago very clearly. And there's been other videos. The, so, a lot of the videos, though, let me just cut you off real quick to make it clear about the videos. I was noticing uh, there's a few that's circulating right now. Uh, as soon as we started talking about this episode, I started getting a lot of flat earth stuff, which is ironic. But um, the videos would pan in, you know, zoom in really far right when they zoomed out right before it got to the source it would cut off and my thought is they're probably on a high-rise condo zooming Mm -hmm. out you know because it never showed where they were but i've seen the video that you're talking about yeah and a a couple others that do zoom in so but uh you know you have to ask yourself how how high up are they taking right the videos that i've seen they've been just standing on the beach but uh with a tripod but Another thing to consider when uh, thinking about the curvature away from us that boats disappear over, we also have to consider the curvature this way. We should be able to sense it from left to right because we're, we're seeing such a big cone of our vision that it should, there should be some noticeable, I mean, maybe I wasn't steady with my straight edge, but uh, it just doesn't appear to be curved to me uh, just from the naked eye on ground level looking at, you know, uh, a body of water. Um, and then, and then being on a plane, same thing, or being, uh, being on a skyscraper, just looking out, like you can see that it's like this. And, and of course, to somebody that's not truly, truly, uh, looking or thinking about it, you know, our, our vision, our eyeball is the sphere itself. So like the earth, but, uh, it, that, that's how our vision kind of works. It's kind of 
it's it's almost kind of distorting it uh, subconsciously, if that makes any sense. So we don't yeah. we don't really notice it. But if you really look at it, I mean, you can even hold a book. Like I could hold this. That's a very valid point. I could hold this book right up to my eyes like this and look at the water in front of me and it lines up perfectly. There's no left or right curve. And but and there should be with that rate, unless like the earth is way bigger. Off yeah, it should, it should like drop that. off. Yeah. Left to right Somewhere. as well as like this. You know yeah, what I mean? 60 miles of 2400 curve. You would think it would do something. Does that make sense to everyone? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are just these are just things that bug me about this. Well, and there's gonna, other things too. Yeah, but yeah, we're gonna go back into that. Uh, and but I, I want to ask. So, have you ever had to make an emergency landing? And if so, what does that flight path look like? And what happened? So, I believe you're relating to uh, a book that was published. I have had an emergency landing, but it wasn't like one of the examples in the book that was published. I forgot his name, so Okay. Don't hate don't hate me for author. No, no, no. I don't, don't expect, hate me. You know. Um but those were landings in random places. But yeah. I just, yeah. I thought I'd ask. We have we have studied a lot of plane things, but uh, they're usually disasters, not really landings. But um but you're talking about specifically long haul flights. You know where you would think the path would be uh, coming from Asia to LA or something, and they and they stop in Alaska or something mm -hmm. like that. And you're like, why wouldn't they? If you look at a you know a two dimensional map or a flat map, you would say, hey, if you, you can draw a line from here to here, and you can draw the actual flight path, you'd be like, okay, why did they go all the way to Alaska? Like that seems right counterintuitive to go all the way up there uh, instead of just going straight across the ocean so right. that's what yeah. that's what confuses that's what the basic the the basis well, of most of that is yeah and, and a lot of it and drew if you want to bring it up you can i've read the first you know a few chapters and the first two is really what inspired him to even write the book but basically uh he's coming from uh Japan, I believe, and he's flying to uh, – correct me if I'm wrong about that destination, but he was coming from Japan, flying to L.A. It was Taiwan. It was Taiwan, and um, he gets diverted, has to do an emergency landing due to a preg pregnancy, that a birth on the plane, and they fly to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Is that correct? I think it was Anchorage. And um, on the map, what you're saying, like your, your 2D map where you can get kind of – yeah, you're not really getting the full story on a 2D map is what you're saying, but they – swooped up to Anchorage, passed by Hawaii, which they're like, Hawaii would have been a lot closer on a regular globe, you know, uh, map. And why would they go to Anchorage? Because on that globe, which everybody can see when you're taking a cruise, you're on a plane, it'll show you like a map of where you are in the world. Right, right. And so you're saying that could be very misleading in that sense. If, you know, if that's the play you're going to play. No, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> that's the card you just dealt. Um, so... They're saying, why go to Anchorage? And it's the same distance as just flying to L.A. And you could have stopped in Hawaii, but yet you went up north. And, and that was the whole thing on that. And then there was another one kind of, you know, about the soccer team, I believe. They were flying from one country to Australia. And they um, they went yeah. north. Yeah, they were going to, from Chile to Australia. And they went to Chile, LAX, and then all the way. Right. 
Right. Uh, and there's another story uh, after that, which is, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I don't want to butcher that one. If you brought it up, I could tell you. Scalor probably already knows. No, I don't know. But I, I, I read, I'd read, you know, some of it. And, and you know, the examples were kind of, you know, it's they were all based on the same principle. Why go here when, in theory, if you look at a map, you could beeline and get there quicker. And honestly, it's it's hard. It's very misleading when you're looking at a two-dimensional map. You're not, you know, even if it's a Gleason map, you know, the little the the circle, flat Earth map, or if it's the square map with all of it just left to right the world it's very misleading to look at it like that because the biggest thing you're not taking into concern uh is the actual how big around the equator is you know so that is that adds a lot of mileage and you're not accounting for that so obviously if you've got a globe and you're flying at the very top this top half is a lot smaller circumference wise it's a lot easier to go over that than all the way around. That makes sense. You know, so, so yeah, on a two dimensional map, yeah, you could take a piece of string and be like, oh, this string's shorter than this string. But if you put it on a globe where it's actually taking the whole circumference around, it's, it's not the case. You what's, know, uh, what, what's the reason for that coincidence though? You think that, and, 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 and another factor, sorry to cut you off there. Another factor uh, that is heavily considered is uh, is winds, weather. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of winds closer to the poles. Uh, that's why they tend to uh, go that direction. You know, and you that's why jet streams and stuff like that that really help you out. Not to mention, you know, you got more radar coverage because you're over land masses. If you just blast off into the ocean, something happens. Good luck. Castaway had a better chance. You know what I'm saying? Good good luck. So, I mean, it's not. So you're saying it's kind of coincidence that on the, uh, on the flat earth map that they would be stopping in like Anchorage, but yet the flight path on a flat earth map would go directly over Anchorage. And the same thing for, I think it was like London on the third chapter where they stopped, you know, why would you go here? Why would you go there? And they, because the flight path on a flat earth map, straight over is that i mean that might be the answer it might be coincidence well see i mean what uh, what what you said is is very thought-provoking and uh you know that somewhat debunks this for me in all honesty so so well done there um but it still bothers me of the coincidence that everything lines up like that that's that's a that's a very strange coincidence to me it might be just a coincidence well you know coincidence you know by definition it just happens to be the same thing well our model is no such thing as coincidence skylord sure i have a tattoo tattoo on my ass no (laughs) but i mean you know to be honest if you if you look hard enough in anything you can look and find what you want to see so if you have someone that's a big enough skeptic or big enough belief in something you can read fine print and misinterpret and use those as facts like you want you know what i'm saying so like the the gleason's map i don't necessarily he i could be wrong i've never met the guy i don't know if his intention was to provoke the flat earth or it was 
which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, was his map come first or the thought come first? So I don't know, but um, could be a coincidence. But did come first, I believe. Oh yeah, okay. Well, Flat Earth is was, uh, yeah. is uh, very very ancient. About a hundred years or yeah, several hundred years before or something at least. But Even I just uh, you know I it, they do that. You know, like I was talking about with the globe, you know, at the top part is going to be a lot skinnier and smaller to go around than the fattest part of a ball. You know, it just the two dimensional that that's what people get stuck in their head is the two dimensional maps. That's what people sure. really focus in on and they just draw lines. And, you know, you think, oh, you know, this is obviously shorter than going here, here to here. What's well, not represented correctly, you know, so is the, basically the bulge of the earth. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's yeah. So you got to account for that. Yeah. You know, Bolts not to mention, better. not to mention, let's say even if it was shorter, if it's more fuel efficient and cost efficient for them to take a higher altitude with jet streams to save fuel and a couple of dollars, companies are going to do it. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's why if you did a, if you did a flight from LA to China and they went over Alaska all the way to China you could do that 10 times in a row and it would probably be similar, but not necessarily the same thing because, you know, companies, they'll get the exact minute weather from there all the way to China and they put it in a computer and it will calculate what is the best, most cost efficient route to get there. That's why it'll look different most mm -hmm. of the time, but similar. This so is really helping not me necessarily. out. I'm about to put up a graph. Okay, good. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm yeah, here yeah, for. Yeah. I'm going to no, put up real. some graphics to kind of further, you know, if, if you're watching this uh, on the podcast on Spotify, um, this is basically what uh, they just explained uh, right here. So, for instance, if you can see it, there that it is, is uh, kind of what the flight path looks like from Beijing to Los Angeles. See how it, cur it goes through, uh, up through Russia, over the Bering Follow Strait. Following the landmass for radar. Yep, over Alaska. Well down the Pacific coastline. Yeah. Down there. So, yeah. Um, it, what's your thoughts, Sky Lord? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly like what's not represented there. Right. You know, the actual curve of the earth is not represented there. You right. Know? So it's, oh, it's it very not? misleading. It what? No, it's not. It's, you're not really, it, oh, I see it's what not you're really that drastic, you know. It's not like you're turning ninety degrees and then, you know, doing that. It looks like that, but you know, it's uh, not really. So you're flying. You're flying that's straight. Why, that's you're why just, they're going, going up there. Yeah, you're going out over the bulls. Uh, okay, that that makes sense. Now, okay, yeah. is there a way? Yeah. Is there a way, Drew, that we can look at these two locations? own a three-dimensional google earth is that possible is that a thing that can be done uh probably hmm. but i'll do that in a second i, I was going to show if you know if we have any uh, watchers on spotify okay. so that's this is what they're talking about how it's going like this and then if you put it on a flat earth map it's basically oh shit a straight line so right. that, that's where the, that's where the right. conspiracy comes from i'm trying to get oh, a man there. what a right. coincidence right so, yeah. and it yeah. does look pretty sketch and all the uh, all the emergencies <laughs> All the emergency landings going from uh, Taiwan to Los Angeles would stop in Alaska, which the line goes straight through Alaska. Damn and it. That, and that's the whole uh, – wonder why they did that and why they didn't go to uh, Hawaii. And Hawaii is way further south. 
See, uh, Skylord, this is what but, bothers me. Uh, there's so many things navigation-wise that work on both, and I'm just wondering if it's. I just, I'm just wondering what it means. Like, it's, it's got to be a coincidence, right? I mean, so to answer, why not go to Hawaii? All that stuff. If, if you think you're going straight, the, the problem is like, when you have a flight plan, you're not gonna just. We have contingencies everywhere we go, you know. So, especially when you're doing oceanic crossings and stuff like that, there's certain points where it's like there's literally a point of no return. Like if you have an emergency point uh, prior to this point, you turn back around. If it's right after this point, you keep going. And it, you have very detailed, uh, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. The reason they didn't go to Hawaii is because their flight plan never went anywhere close to Hawaii. It was meant to go over the polars close to Alaska, and that was – their designated area to go to it just threw people because off because of the curvature of the earth making that smaller and it's yeah exactly versus that makes sense. And, and since and since yeah exactly and since they're going uh, uh west to east they got those you know the farther north they go this you know not necessarily farther but closer to the poles you got stronger winds and jet streams you go up there and catch a 200 mile an hour tailwind you're really going to be cooking with gas. You're really going to be saving money. So that's why they do that, you know. Interesting. So it is coincidence on those maps is what you're saying. It just happens to work out that way because that's where every all the travel is going through. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, as far as that. It, it, it is it is very weird looking and it is very, you know, coincidental. But I mean, you if if you wanted to make a map look to where you're going straight anywhere, you could contort and kind of do anything to make it work you know what i'm saying but uh it very it is very uh coincidental i guess yeah but okay. I, i'm telling you from my perspective that's what happens that's all okay. that matters this hour and then when you get off we'll just we'll just you know call you a bullshitter and move on <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough no Joking. this is this is gold information for me because i'm telling you things like this haunt me at night uh because i'll be like it's tough always oh, meeting eye level what and you know that kind of stuff will kind of eat at me um and, and not gonna lie the straight lines the coincidence of the matter bugs me you know uh There's, but I, yeah. I, I completely understand what you're talking about about the uh the, there the is globe, the curve is weird and uh saving fuel via jet stream and uh avoiding storms and such well, uh, yeah. there has to be such a coincidence has to be that prevalent because flat earth is one of the biggest conspiracies ever. If it was just easy, just to, ah, uh, you know, that didn't happen because of this. There's so many instances like it's tough. Right, so there's another question I have. Uh, if the earth is spinning, can you explain sure. why a trip from New York to Italy wouldn't be drastically shorter than returning from Italy to New York? Assuming that's, you know, the route, the, that's the, the way direction that of the spin. So, cause wouldn't you be up in the air going against the spin to make a trip shorter uh, or vice versa, you know, depending on. Oh, so you're well, saying which one? Let me make sure I get the question right. Which so one? if the earth is spinning, so, let's say uh, clockwards. Uh, it's going west to east, so it's left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, left to right. So uh, I'm trying to get the countries right. Let's just put it this way. If you're flying against the spin, wouldn't it make the trip shorter than flying with I see what you're saying. Spin? I see what you're saying. So. You're in theory, you're thinking the earth spin is like a treadmill under you. 
and you're running against it. If you're up in it. air long enough. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. right. So that's what your thought process is. Uh, so I'll not give mine. you a, I guess. The general public. It's not. The general public, public sorry. The, the masses. The masses. Well, uh, elementary school. No, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, that is exactly. a great question. It is a good question. I'm, I'm curious about So there's uh, two answers of why it would be longer and why so number one you go west to east west coast to east coast or if you're going from washington dc or new york to italy or wherever you were saying it is going to be shorter and what's one of the reasons i mentioned earlier why they do that is because the jet streams uh, they go west to east so you got tailwinds going west to east so you're you're going to have a big old tailwind at your back going from west to east. That's why it's a lot shorter going one way. It's because those jet streams are, you know, on average 120 knots, something like that. Okay. Uh, 130 knots, which is like, what, 180 miles an hour or something, helping you along the way. So it's wind in your sails going west mm-hmm. to east, left to right. Uh, vice versa, you're fighting it. That's why it's a whole lot slower coming back from Europe to U.S. is because, and it's drastically slower because you're fighting a 150 knot wind in your face for hours. So that's going to cause you to uh, be a little bit slower. And that's um, even at 40,000 feet? Oh, yeah. They're super strong up there. The winds are very strong. I mean, I wouldn't altitude. know. So, yeah, that's why. I, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not outside, you know, I'm not outside doing that. But Wait, now that's um, something to say. You haven't experienced it firsthand. You just, you're right. <laughs> no, it's so, a mystery, uh, you know? Okay, so but yeah, that, the wind's up there as well. Yeah, Yeah. so, so you know, I, I flew, uh, I guess, about a year ago uh, from Cincinnati to Leipzig, and it was like seven and a half, seven and some change hours uh, from west to east, and a day later was coming back, same route, uh, Leipzig back uh, to Cincinnati, and it was like 10. And some change because we had a 150 knot headwind the entire time. So like it just, so it's just, I mean, it's just like a boat. You're literally flying like 700 miles per hour versus 500 going one way. Yeah. So that's why you'll have ground speed. Uh, Your ground speed will be higher because you're going across the ground uh, versus your airspeed. It's not a, you know, they're not like, oh, you got to, pull it back the plane doesn't need to go that fast or anything like that it's just you right. can do 700 one way 500 the other way and that's that's literally what right. happens at times yeah okay. yeah it'd just be like uh you know flying a kite or pulling a kite you know if you were to pull a kite i get it you know, i just it didn't know move. if there was any kind of yeah. regulation on speed as well you know like you can't do 700 there if you're flying all around we do have speed, speed regulations but <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> I gotta get I do, home, man. It's Friday. I do have a question. Yeah. So we talked about we talked about the altimeter or uh, the atmospheric pressure and how you can coast in that spot. So let's say you're lower than forty thousand feet, or you know what is considered, I guess, uh, in the medium range or whatever. So if you're going uh, if you're going against the spin. So uh, okay. basically, my question I is: know what Does you're the spin does the spin have anything, anything to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that was my second part. Sorry, I meant to get to that. Okay. So, no, the spin doesn't. So it doesn't have anything to do with 
speed. And let me explain it this way. Pete, cuck pit. Let's say you were on one of those <laughs> Japanese high rail uh, trains, right? Pretend you're on there. I want you to get up and stand in the middle of the aisle. Everybody's looking at you. You're looking, you know, looking back at them. People are wondering what you're doing. Now imagine you jump up. Those things are going at 200 miles an hour. So if you were to jump up, why don't you become a meat missile and just hit the caboose? (laughs) Can I intervene that, though? I I hate that analogy, and it it makes perfect sense. I want to intervene real quick because – Okay. Real quick, everybody understands that you're encapsulated with that movement, uh, that kinetic energy, I guess, is it's all the energy outside. or uh, Not really. Is it kinetic energy? You know, but I, I get that part, right? Inertia. The inertia. Thank you. So what if, though, you, you jump up and you levitate there for a minute and you just kind of hover? How long before you start dragging back? Or is it just constant? I, I think sure. the meat. Uh, uh, I'm I sorry. Ask a question while you're in the middle of another question. I really sorry. I cut you off. I just had to get off that. Well, off. Uh, quick, quick interjection. So I think the meat missile uh, thing would only work. Like, let's say <laughs> the train, the train <laughs> is awful. able to go 200 miles an hour immediately. If you jumped, then bam, you would be a meat missile. But if you're if you're on it, the train. You're going right. the equal speed of the train, so you'll jump. Okay, I, okay, I'm caught yeah. up. I'm caught up. Right. Yeah. So it's it's the same principle, except it's on a you know our Earth scale. Like you're you're encapsulated in the atmosphere in the gravitational pull of the Earth. You're you're on that inertial train. You know, so it's not gonna it's not like you're gonna hover outside of the gravitational pull and inertia of the Earth to just automatically zoom. So once a plane leaves the ground it's still within that inertia you know it's not but on a 12 hour flight it has no you know that inertia doesn't calm down at all within hours (laughs) no i don't think so what i mean what if a helicopter was to just take up and just hover you know it's still going to be with it you know it's it's not going to just slowly start speeding up and going does anybody you know, have that answer? Though? Same, like if a helicopter but, goes up for six hours, is it going to be? I mean, so, I'm sure, I'm sure someone a lot than I am can answer that a lot better. Sure, um, I understand that. You know, it's Earth more of a scientific project than it is what, really an everyday use. It, of, it is more, it is more physics than a pilot right, question. It's right. more physics, but like, you know. I did a little physics earlier just because I went down a rabbit hole thinking about this. You know, if you were to, the Earth spins at a thousand miles per hour. If you were to jump, you know, if you were to jump just immediately, if the spin was to go against you, at a thousand miles an hour, you would would move 1,466 feet a second. That's like, that's like, that's what, Four, four and a half football fields just in a second. Right, right. For jumping. Like, why don't you do that? It's because you're still in the nurse. Now, Lance, I know what you're talking about. Sorry, Spruce Goose, whatever. I know I know what you're talking about. Like, what is that catch back up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, that's what you're talking about. Like, at what point will it start affecting things? You just assume um, 12 hours. The answer is I don't know. Yeah. The problem, the, the, the problem here is that in both models – 
the helicopter stays in the same place. See, that bugs me. You, you see well, maybe at? we're assuming that. Maybe there is a scientific backing on that. We need to research and follow up on this episode. On you know, we'll bring it up on the next episode. How long would a helicopter have to hover before when it comes down? It's in a different spot because the Earth starts to move slightly. Maybe one, two mile per hour, three mile per hour. You know, it might catch up. How long does that take? It's not going to be instant. Thousand. You know. It, so uh, I think we're all on the same page with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to factor in gravity, air resistance, what forces are acting other than just, you know, if you're in a vacuum or, you know, something like that where you're not with the initial inertia of something, you know, I'm sure it would eventually. But, you know, I'm not a physicist. I can't really explain it that well. But, you know, the train analogy does make sense. You jumping up and down makes sense. You know, if you if you think all things are equal and you were to just jump up. You know, you would move. You wouldn't move four hundred or four football fields. You just right. You right. would. So it's because you're within the inertia of the Earth. So, um, yeah. and so, I don't know how long it takes you to get off of the inertia of the Earth, or how you do that. It takes so, me a minute. It takes me a minute. So I was kind of hard back, concept. I was going to go back to um, a previous question uh, Lance said about. Um, so you've been up 41,000 feet. I don't know, Lance, if you're going to ask this in a minute or not. So say it's a clear day, no clouds, nothing. What, it, what What's the farthest that, like, you're looking out the window, how far do you think you can see? Um, oh, man. Like, is it – I, I assume it's miles and miles and miles. I mean, is it thousands oh, of miles, absolutely. hundreds of miles? or? I would say, I mean, oh, it's definitely hundreds of miles. Like, you're I can be – no, we don't. I haven't flown to South America and stuff down there. Okay. I want to, and trust me, I'll be the first ones to know if I go down there. I'm yeah. taking pictures and I'm peeping it. And like I said, you know, in the Midwest, you know, the desert, I'm looking every night. Just, I'm flying. I'm looking. You can there. you can put us in the cargo thing in the little boxes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you can see <laughs> it, it. It's kind of insane. Uh, the altitude, especially at night, which is, you know. Most of the time when we fly, it's at night because mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to get, you know, two-day shipping or whatever, priority no, man, shipping. They don't want you to see it's the going. flat earth, bro. That's what they don't want you to yeah, see. Yeah. Man. Well, we fly in the day, too, just mostly at <laughs> night. But, um, you know, when everything's lit up, especially on a clear night, you can see miles across states. Right. It's pretty, well, it's pretty interesting. Because yeah. that, that was the reason I asked because Peter was talking about the uh, – what was it, Lake uh, Chicago? When you can see Lake, Lake and all that. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're that high, you you know you should be able to. I'm just kind of piggybacking oh, yeah. on what we were talking about a minute ago that I didn't get a chance to bring oh, up. Oh yeah, so the curvature formula, uh, if you if you add in the uh, the the height, uh, that that changes things. So you can definitely see beyond the curve if you're high up. Yeah, I would I, I would I would assume. Uh, yeah. But again, the higher up you go, it's easier to see things that are far away. Again, we see the horizon rise to eye level. But your eyes can yeah. only receive so much of a distance, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, with the right equipment, you can look further. And we still haven't debunked your uh, Chicago. You know, you're standing here and you can see it across the lake, 60 miles. That's 2,400 foot. We, we still haven't debunked that. I don't think we're going to – we're not going to wrap back around to it. But um, – I'm not going to say it's debunked. If you're 100 – It just bugs me still. Right. But think think about it this way, uh, I guess to counterpoint on that, like we have, I mean, we'd all agree that we have 
telescopes that can see stars. Mm -hmm. moon, you know, like it, it can see thousands of miles, right? Mm -hmm. So how come we haven't put one in New York and just looked over to Europe on a clear night? How come we couldn't see Paris or something? We can't. We can't you because know? of atmospheric haze. I know, but I mean, just like if there, there's in theory, I understand like in theory, you should see some kind of light. Like, why can't we send a beacon or something? You, you know, we got, I don't know, or bombs going off in the Ukraine or something. You know, I, I was reading something and this was, this was deep into the fire of community where I was accessing this information, but uh, they were showing uh, naval vessels that use lasers that can uh, go hun uh, hundreds of miles uh, to target uh, enemy ships um, and the laser obviously points straight. The laser doesn't curve, or maybe it does. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? The laser can target things hundreds of miles away, and it's pointed from the ship. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. that that kind of shit bugs me. I, you know, I'm not confirmed on that. Oh, I, I, saw, I, I saw him talking about it in the video. You, you know, I got to look into that deeper, but. That's where this aviation stuff also gives me a, a fresh perspective on the matter. Yeah. Um, the uh, okay. Let's say we put uh, that same telescope on uh, Mount Rainier, in Portland, or not Portland, Seattle. Sorry, didn't mean to disrespect Portland or Seattle. We just lost like <laughs> eight on Mount Rainier. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. What if you were to do that? You know, that's routinely above the clouds. The tip would be above the clouds. That's not even the tallest mountain right. on Earth. Right. Why don't we aim at the other mountain? It's going to be above the clouds. Mm -hmm. You know, in theory, most of the time, at least every once in a while, it'll be above the clouds. Both of them will be. How come we hadn't pointed there and seen the other tip across the world? So you're saying that in a If you can Earth see stars. Model, you should point and find that's out. That's what I'm that saying. Would, that would completely explain and debunk everything. I mean, you know, it either does or doesn't. On behalf of Flat Let's Earth. Let's do that. Let's do a uh, company the, trip. The, on behalf of Flat Earth, uh, what I would imagine one of them would say is that okay. we don't have lenses, uh, telephoto lenses that can go that far. Um, uh, lasers or anything. But, I mean, they, they, they say they have lasers that can go hundreds of miles. I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what, was, what was the last thing I said before that? Technology to do... But we do have the technology. We just the average person. Oh, so lenses. If like atmospheric haze is a thing, but because of the limit uh, of how far lenses and scopes can see, that makes it to where the laws of perspective come back into play. Where if something is so far away from you, it's going to be so tiny that you can't sense it with the naked eye, obviously. And, and uh, even with uh, the, the most state-of-the-art lens, depending on how far away it is, because it's too far for the lens to zoom in on it. Right. Uh, that's what they would say. That, you know, uh, and that but, stuff bugs me too. But, but how far is the moon? Uh, away? Surface of the moon. I looked it up earlier. 238,000 miles away. Okay. Okay. Allegedly. The Earth is only – Allegedly. Have you ever flown <laughs> to the moon, Skylord? I have not. I have not. <laughs> I had to ask this question. So the moon's 238,000 miles away, and they can see it crystal clear, right? The yeah. Earth is only 24,000, like 24,000 around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a it's going to be a fraction of that from the tallest mountain 
to the second tallest mountain or across the world. Mm-hmm. So you're saying we got a lens that can absolutely reach the moon almost 10 times the distance. It's a good point. I guess I'm referring you know, more to camera technology. Yeah, I mean, we, I'm talking about telescope. Video. I'm talking about like high-end telescope. You know, we got something that's literally 10 times closer. It's got to be atmospheric haze uh, at that point because you got you got the atmospheric haze to deal with and just the moisture in the air looking over a great distance. The moisture will uh, 5G uh, will, will make things opaque over great distances. And, uh, and yeah, then, I mean, that's true. Uh, I mean, that would be that was that was uh, what was the other thing that I said? Oh, that uh, we don't have camera lenses that can that can reach that far. But one must must not forget atmospheric haze. Hey, I do want to mention yeah. we, we, we have a comment, and I want to hold that comment to the end because I really feel it's, it's good. It'll sum up a lot. There's a lot to be said about it. but um, So I'm not just ignoring it. Uh, is there any visible difference in the angle of approach or landing when flying to destinations in the southern hemisphere compared to the northern hemisphere? Do you change anything up? Answer is no. It's all the, it all looks the same. Uh, the only difference is when you're in the southern hemisphere and you flush a toilet, it goes a different way, supposedly. Mm. I never got to see it. The one time I was down there in Australia, I was in a hotel. I was really actually looking forward to it, you know, seeing it spin the other way down the drain. Uh, there's a cool YouTube video where someone's on the equator and he puts it in the northern hemisphere and he has a leaf in a bowl. That's right. And as he lets it drain, you can see the leaf spiral. And then he puts it on the equator. And it just goes straight down. Then when he puts on the southern hemisphere, it spins the other way. And they're like feet apart. Like hmm. it's pretty insane. That's crazy. So I was looking forward to actually seeing it was I was in Australia, but the uh, You'll be back. You'll be the back. Hotel, hotel I was in. It had the very aggressive suction on it. So I got <laughs> no swirl at all. So. Everything just went straight down. All Damn right. Yeah, just, suction. Suck it right out of it. <laughs> All right, so this might be a very straightforward uh, answer for you. Have you ever encountered any discrepancies between your flight navigation systems and the need to account for Earth's curvature? The answer kind of brought it up earlier. Uh, no, because it doesn't really does it focus on a relationship to the ground as far as it does right. bounce in the atmospheric pressure. So that's, that's kind of – so the answer, short answer is no. Right, I ha- I've had malfunctions, but not due to uh, uh, misunderstanding between uh, the Earth's curve. Let me ask you this: um, sure. Are there any professional pilots or aviation organizations that question or provide alternative explanations for the shape of the Earth? Any anybody you know that flies or anything like that that would say they're a flat earther? That's a good question. Like, yeah, have you met anyone in your profession? I haven't personally. I know there's people that I know, you know, everybody knows a friend of a friend. You know, I know a guy. There's always those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've flown with people, no other pilots that believe they're flat earthers. Um, I don't personally know any, but that's, you know, randomly enough, I'll start bringing that up in cockpit, guys. I'm going to start doing a, a quota with everyone. You probably shouldn't if you, you know, the first job. First time I'm flying with them, I'm going to. I'm gonna make sure it's like a you know six or seven hour flight, and that's my first question. 
it's going to be that. So it's really going to set the tone. Nice and flat out there, huh? But I can see it. First time yeah, flying but, yeah. 40,000 feet. So isn't it crazy yeah. how flat that like, oh, is? Oh, boy. <laughs> we have six hours to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a brutal six hours. But uh, I don't know really personally. Uh, I know there's people out there. I don't know anybody personally, but like I said, I've flown with people that know other people that do it. I don't know if there's really any. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some kind of dedicated pilot group that does. There's. You could find a group for anything nowadays so i'm sure they're out there and now i'm gonna look for it there's a room 2008 for everybody i'm sure like if you're if you're a flat earther you already looked at as a nut job anyway but uh you know if you're an actual pilot i'm sure you're even looked more as a nut job by your colleagues yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah by colleagues but you'll look more like a professional to everyone else in the group because they've seen it you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. it's, you know, what side of the coin you want to look at? But there you go. You know what? This kind of leads me. Every job. This, well, the this... first. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say real quick. Well, the first question we had, you already said you have never actually physically seen the curvature. So there is that aspect of a professional being a flat earther out there. It's not, you know, crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm and sorry. when I, when I post it. this podcast, I'm going to end it right there. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, so that kind of leads me to, uh, let's see if I ask this question right. So given that things are becoming more automated um, and eventually they'll probably become unmanned. um, But uh, I was wondering, is it possible, do you think, like give me a percentage here. Is it possible to work for uh, a system like uh, or, or for a, a, an airline, for instance, or maybe even NASA, you work in it. You could be like a an engineer or uh, you, you could even be a pilot. Uh, do you think it's possible for all of the people working within the machine uh, could be oblivious to uh, the true nature of the machine, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Like you're working towards a goal, but you don't know know the goal. Right. You know, a whole company kind of the people at the top, the evil geniuses at the top are actually an alternate means to the end. Right. Uh, could, could the indoctrination be so uh, effective that even people that work in these fields, uh, they they don't they don't understand the. You know, this is what a flat earth would say, the true nature of our reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as a whole company, I'm sure you'll always have some people that are skeptics, which that's the beautiful thing about human nature. Is there's always people that are free thinkers and skeptics and stuff hey, like that. Hey, I like that. that. It's good to have skeptics out there. It's, it's so, always good to have people asking questions. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there are places that have alternate means that – have pulled the wool over their eyes and stuff like that. Um, okay. But as far as if you're trying to refer to the whole indoctrinate the whole world to believe it's round. Right. Uh, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, if you tell a story long enough or a lie long enough, you know, people think it's the truth, you know, and also uh, history comes from the people that win, you know. When it comes this to war, a, so 
this is a stereotypical flat earth uh, uh, saying, but they always say something like, well, there's a globe in every kindergarten class, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. like it's just globe, globe, globe for your, you know, that's all we know. And so if it's all we know, nobody's going to, you know, think otherwise. Right. And, and then, you know, we've done well, episodes. Yeah, so- and- Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, you know, when we went to school, uh, you know, put two plus two four. And there was only one way to get that. And now there's, you know, different methods of how they do that. The Chinese edition and math, there's always new ways. So it's like, you know, if, if you're born and told, hey, this color is blue, if you lived in a perfect box, it's like, hey, this color is blue, but it's actually red. And, you know, you enjoy, you grow that environment. You know, you end up having a whole city thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, over time, I'm sure you could indoctrinate a whole group of people, but there's always free thinkers and uh, skeptics and stuff that like to go against the grain that could shed light on things. You know, for a while they did think the earth was flat. So got to be a reason for that. You know, I think to be better or right. I I think to be a skeptic is, I think skepticism is sort of uh, a, a part of the scientific method. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. it, it, It keeps, it pushes the boundaries of the scientific method. Because uh, if you if you don't continue to question even the foundational stuff, especially when we're talking about big, you know, multi-billion dollar institutions and all that stuff that are riding on all this stuff. Yeah, it it's, you know, and, you know, we did an episode where we looked into, you know, who owns everything and stuff like that. And those people own all the publishing and textbooks that are in the schools with the globes. And, you know, it's just it, ju- it seems yeah. like it's plausible to me to hide something that our instinct uh, knows is obvious. I'm, I'm, right. talking like a, I'm talking like a flat earth, a flat earth right now. Oh, I know exactly. Oh, what you raise a good point. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, if you, if you tell it long enough and you get there early enough and generations go down the line and it's just passed from my parents told me this, their parents told them that, you know, long enough, it will become the fact, you know, especially right. if there's nothing, you know, and it gets so entrenched in a thought process or, the way you do things that it's hard to break that cycle. It's hard unless you have absolute definite without a doubt truth uh, Mm. that you are proof that you can uh, prove. Otherwise people just take it for a grain of salt, you know? Right. Right. So I I think, I think it could be, you know, like I think there are certain things that, uh, you know, over time you could indoctrinate a certain group of people Mm. or a large group of people, depending on how much time and, uh, effort you put into it to believe in something. Yeah, I mean, right. you gotta... well, we learned that with Pfizer. Okay, we're banned. Sorry. Yeah, there goes supply. <laughs> um, so yeah, it raises a good point because you know, as um, as factual, uh, you know, like the questions we've asked you, and you've given us some facts, and you've backed it up with uh, science that you know we haven't learned in school, which is why we have you on here as an expert. Um, okay. But then there is that expert that uh, that that Cuckpit's talking about is that if you if you've learned something from the ground up and you have and you're up in the air but yet you you don't have the freedom of flying wherever you don't have the freedom of trying to go higher or flying faster or everything's controlled very regulated it's easy to observe your surroundings based on what somebody else has set for you as a standard 
and uh and so as i mean i respect everything you've told us obviously i believe that over oh, this is great theory this is great. i'm not like oh i'm flat earth and you're just full of hot air that's that's not my saying but um i think that's what drew Nell just texted me but uh <laughs> but seriously though there is that aspect uh cockpit was mentioning it's like <laughs> why would you question it because everything from ground up has been the same and if you listen back to a lot of our episodes, there's a lot of interesting stuff that we've brought up. Just like the very first question, you know, have you observed the curvature? And it's like, no. And that's an honest answer. But you have all these other answers that back up around Earth, a globe, yeah. which is very understandable. But at the same time, there's still some debate, like with the Chicago thing. So it, this is why this thrives on. It's why we do the show. It makes a lot of sense in that uh, there is nothing 100%, no question. Right. No, just absolute, because even if it was, we're not, you know, astronauts. We'll take it to the next level. You know, we're not there in person seeing the Earth from the moon. So we're not a 33rd degree Freemason. There's Sorry. always that extra level of uh, truth that we always have a question about. And none of us regulars, not on the show, but anybody you know and who they know and who they know, none of us are at that level of actually knowing the truth. Without a right. doubt, even if it is a globe or, or flat. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, points to be taken from a cook bit over here. So <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got I got another question. Um, right. So sure. in the in the flat Earth community, one of the theories is the sun and moon are local, which means the sun's not 93 million miles away, the moon's not 238 thousand miles away. They're much much closer. Um, they're parallel. They, huh. They're, 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 they exist parallel to each other. Correct. And they, they go, um, they in the go yin, in the yin yang. Yeah. They go clockwise around the flat earth, which is how, you know, and they, yeah, exactly. And due to perspective, okay. if the, if the, uh, the sun moves far enough away, it takes its light with it. Right. And, the, right. and then therefore is darkness. Same with thing with the moon. Yep. This okay. is just what they believe. So, right. right. So, with that being said, there's videos all on Twitter and um, all over online where I'm sure they're doctored, but where the sun is below clouds. The moon mm. is below clouds. I've seen the videos. So I just want to get from you because you've been 40,000 miles or for, yeah, uh, high. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything like that? Any uh, something that may look like that or anything like that? Because I, I don't necessarily I mean, that's it's hard to believe you know right yeah that it's localized right you're talking about so our i guess in this scenario that it would be below the clouds yeah. both of them you'd mm -hmm. have to see the the video i guess yeah. that thing of our question yeah. but yeah yeah i haven't seen them uh both like that but i have definitely seen them both up very close in the sky together um uh, and it was uh it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I was I was looking. They were probably if if you're looking at a I guess I'm trying to think of a good analogy. One would be at like an eleven o'clock on the clock, and the other one would be at one o'clock. They were like that close together. Wow. Oh like damn! In the sky, like you could look up and you could see one was here, and one was here. Were they the same thought, size? Were they the same size? No, I think the moon was a little bit smaller. I tried to take a picture, but you couldn't get it in the hole. Hey, good point, Cockpit. Uh, you know, there is there's science behind that, that the sun being 
uh, you know, far away and the moon being closer, that they are exactly the same size. Well, so if you're uh, if you're high up and they're they're parallel to each other, but you're you're closer to them than you were. If the moon is farther away, it will appear smaller. This is, you know, speaking as a flat earther, but Okay. So like if I guess if the sun was localized, right? Uh, I think the Greeks, this is how they figured out did they figure out that it was uh, that the earth was round? Uh, I forgot his name. It starts with an E. It's, I do not want to butcher that man's was name. It by shadows or? No, yes, it was by shadows in a well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how they proved that the earth uh, was round. And, and if you had two wells, if there, there was a theory where a localized sun would cast a, sh- a shadow perfectly down. Or no shadow would give sunlight directly down into the well, not cast a shadow. If it was localized or if it was far away. The problem happens when you have three wells. If it's a localized shadow, it'll cast uh, maybe two of them will have the perfect light. But the third one uh, on the end, I'll, I'll try to send a link to show you what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's hard it's to explain. Fine. I had a dry erase board. I can go back to my flight, my, yeah, we don't have the my money flight instructor days. <laughs> my flight instructor days and you know do all that stuff but uh uh if you have three wells at an equal distance and if it was a localized sun it would cast a shadow on the third if you were to try to keep it it, it what, makes sense what are their distances uh, apart the wells? Uh, exact skylord exact measurements i can't remember what it was uh, they actually, it's the same principle. Uh, what actually I think what the Greeks did was they did a shadow. They did like a tower, I believe. Um, you pulling this up, Drew? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, we're not going to start learning that uh, theory right now. Yeah. Uh, I've but, heard uh, of that. Yeah, it's no a long, it is a long name with an E. Like, I don't want to even butcher that <laughs> legend, you know, whatever. He's the one who figured out the earth was round. But I, it was either a tower or wells, but it had to do with casting shadows. And if you had the same height uh, on a tower, if the sun was right at noon, in theory, there should be the same distant shadows, right? right. But since this one was a far enough distance away, it actually cast a larger shadow because the sun was at a more of an angle. So it shows that there actually is a curvature because it's at an angle as opposed but wouldn't to that depend on change. what season it is if it's winter or summer but i mean if we're talking oh, if about local it wouldn't matter yeah if yeah it's local, I, it would matter. yeah wouldn't i mean if it was local the angles would still kind of work the same hold on right? I'm gonna yeah, try let's, let's not get into that I mean, yeah and i'll but... i'll send it to you uh and Maybe you can edit in like uh, oh, this is what uh, he was talking about. Yeah, we, we, we can we can clear <laughs> we can clarify future right. episodes. You know, I, we'll take we'll yeah. take note of things to investigate. I do. Uh, well, I do want to take you down the rabbit hole a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, sure. So we had a commenter ask for flat earthers. Uh, what happens when you get to the edge of the earth? And that's a great question. And I'd love for uh, whoever wants to pick it up. Cockpit, Drunel, myself, like whatever. I, I can make a comment on it. Yeah. So, let's do it. Um, Check it out. Put it. So, Skylord, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the the flat Earth map itself, but Polar North is in the center, and when you uh, 
when you move away from the center, you're going south in any direction. But east and west, which uh, now this is what flat earthers say, that uh, north to south or, uh, you know, uh, north to south circumvention or not circumvention, uh, circumnavigation of the earth has never happened. Like they've gone to the South Pole and they've gone back and then uh, go, they went back the same way and counted that as the whole, going the whole circumference, right? But so Antarctica is the edge. And uh, can we actually pull up, uh, what's the name of that classic um, flat earth map? Can, can we just pull that up for the visual viewers? Okay. Um, so Antarctica is the edge of the uh, the plane. Hey, yeah, there it is. Can we blow that up a little bit? Um, that's the new the standard. And this goes yeah. into, you know, Antarctica being such a secretive place and the trees behind it. And I mean, there's a whole different episode on it. We've actually touched on that before. But uh, this is what I'm talking about, the rabbit hole. This is what, you know, great question. Yeah, so, so basically to... Uh, uh, once you get past uh, Antarctica, like because nobody's allowed to go there, nobody's allowed to fly there, nobody's allowed to do shit. Uh, so what happens beyond there is speculation at best. But we do have some official accounts, uh, military accounts of what is beyond Antarctica. And, you know, according to Flat Earthers, it would be beyond the ice wall, they like to call it. So what uh, Admiral Richard E. Byrd proclaimed in a television interview in black and white. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know how I've, I've seen these maps before uh, for, for listeners. Uh, we have a map displayed here that shows other continents outside of the first ring of Antarctica. And then there's an outer ring. Uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to think about as far as like, you know, sci-fi fantasy, but, um, Admiral Richard E. Byrd reported, and then he, he said this on TV. I can't remember which year this was. Was this in the forties? I think when he was on TV, it was either, I think it was the early fifties. Early fifties. Yeah. It was like old black and white footage. And he, he says it on camera that there's uh and this is, this guy's, crowned as a, an American hero and a, a famous uh, explorer. Uh, he said that there was lush, wildlife-inhabited uh, continents without humans living on them beyond Antarctica. And he, he had all kinds of wacky things to say in his journal. But that's a military guy saying that. And he said that these, uh, this land beyond Antarctica was of great military importance. Uh, so I find that all very suspicious, uh, bothers me at night. Uh, and that's, that's sort of the explanation. So, uh, well, the answer to that question is that we don't know because we're not allowed to explore Antarctica. I, and it, even if, even if you're a, a globe person, Antarctica is equally as mysterious because we're not allowed to explore it or know shit about it. Do research and, uh, down there with organizations, uh, and you could travel down there in a, in a travel group and go to specific places and have this certain, um, you know, travel guide. Then you got to get back because I've talked to people that have been to Antarctica, but they were there for like a day and they had this certain area that they could go to. And so, yeah, exactly. It's it's very 
Um, very secretive. Very seclusive. But and the question, you don't fall off. The map goes further on, and Arco's our wall, our known Earth, and it keeps going further, and there's something beyond. And if you listen back to other episodes, Captain, uh, Admiral Bird, North Pole Expeditions, Hollow Earth, and Antarctica, this whole big big deal is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you don't fall off. There's just other continents past us that we aren't allowed to uh, explore. And to extend the theory a little bit, some speculate that beyond the ice wall is what the original King James Version of the Bible refers to as the firmament. That's the where the firmament begins. A firmament is defined as a dome. You've so, never hit glass up there, Skylord, have you? I have not. But okay, I, I so that's why I, at the beginning of the show, where I'm at officially, at is that feet. I tell people, no, I don't think there is flat. I think it's round. And if there's a firmament, it is round, but not in the sense that most people think it is. Yeah. Perhaps it's uh, uh, the Bible gives us clues as you know to, to solving this mystery. Not that I'm a religious person by any means, but the way the way things have been going lately in society globally, and just looking at all of the the evidence of all of this, all all of the things that bug me at night. There's there's more to the story here to me. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something round about it, so I'm going to go round. I'm I'm going round, but possibly not in the sense that most people think it is. Going round and going rogue, right? So comment. I had another question before you, Drew. Now, if you want to, I was just I was going to bring up that picture he sent earlier. Um, towards the oh, yeah, end I want to see the, that the sunrise uh, before we kind of wrap things up. Yeah. So uh, the question is, what are a couple of the coolest things you ever seen in the air? And uh, oh, yeah, look at that. So that looks is, like curvature, yeah, but it's not super noticeable, uh, like the earth, the ground itself. But you can see the light curving as the sun comes up, right? Now, now I'm sure there could be more. You don't think this is distortion from the uh, the window? No, no, because no. you can see it. Uh, if we were to be traveling south, you could see it from a okay. uh, side, yeah. For sure not. Can it's I, way too big. Can I say something, yeah. though, about that? If you believe in flat yeah. Earth, you probably believe in the firmament. Firmament right. is the globe that goes over, not the globe, but the... Uh, the dome. The, the dome like that the goes Simpsons. over flat Earth. Yeah, exactly. exactly like the... Yeah, exactly. So if you had a light source that came up and it was falling that dome to a certain extent, I don't think it would be flat along the dome because the dome itself uh, is like comes up like that right yeah so where the sun's coming up it would reflect upwards up on the dome just a little bit but not the whole dome because the whole dome is also curving to go over right uh, if that makes sense i don't i don't oh, think yeah. it was flat along the horizon that would even indicate uh i think it would cause distortion uh especially and this is a this is a thing that bothered me about the flat earth movement is that I see images of the sun setting and it's huge and it goes down and doesn't change size, right? It's, it's huge. But then I see other videos where the sun literally, it'll be, it'll be uh, up here and then you'll see it move away and get smaller going into perspective, going towards the horizon, and it takes all the light with it and moves so far away that everything's black. Now... Uh, the the flat earth community says that the reason we see the sun setting uh, large sometimes and it doesn't shrink 
like it's going away from you uh, is because of uh, uh, distortion from the firmament and also atmospheric distortions. Yeah, it's like that picture could prove the Earth is uh, flat, or the Earth is, uh, or the Earth has a dome, or the Earth is round. It's like, yes, mm -hmm. it can, but that's just. I mean, it's like we asked you what the coolest things you see in the air. We bring it up. We're like, uh oh, uh oh, no, that's, right. that, that's not. But uh, what's you have any other cool things you've seen in the air you'd like to share? The the two coolest things I've seen, uh, which was talking about earlier. Uh, one of the cool things I saw was it was about a year ago. I was flying from uh, Cincinnati to Dallas and uh, it was about two or three in the morning. It was a beautiful, clear night. And uh, out of my right window, I could see this string of what looks to be Christmas lights or what I imagined when I was a young lad, what Santa would look like going across the sky like he does in movies. It, right. If Santa was to have 40 reindeer, it looked like a string of white Christmas lights going across the sky, like very close together. And I was like, oh, snap, what is this? You know, and then it hit me. It was Starlink, you know, so I thought that was pretty cool. It, was, oh. it, it, it looked like 40 of them. Were you and able I got to get a picture a while you're flying? <laughs> oh, no, we don't got that. They won't let us do that. But um, on real quick. But I'll send the picture. I'll email you the picture. It's hard to see that one. It kind of looks like a, a clear sky, but you see uh, it looks just like a white line. It looks like nice. somebody did a white line, but I think it's pretty cool. How did, how it was hard to get. Out, how did y'all figure out it was Starlink? There's an app uh, somewhere. Uh, I think you can get a mobile app, but there's a um, – somewhere on the internet, there's a site that tracks it that will tell you if it's coming over your area. Yeah, okay, uh, I got you. At, and what time it will come over your area. Um, and that's what we ended up with. Like, that has to be Starlink. At first, you know, what is that? Is it Santa coming in July or or right. what's what's going yeah. on? And uh, it was like, that has to be Starlink. And, of course, as soon as we, we land and go to the hotel, we look at it in the van ride. Yeah, it was Starlink. You know, he wow. I think he actually had – he downloaded the app on the hotel ride or the ride back to the hotel – and found out that it was Starlink that we oh, saw it. That's crazy. Um, the second uh, tied for the first, I guess, was uh, I was leaving Miami. This was probably five five thirty. It was early in the morning. The sun was. It was going to come up in about an hour or so, and uh, we were we were leaving Miami, going back to Cincinnati, and. Uh, I see this light, and it looks to be um, – you've all seen uh, planes in the sky uh, when they're close to land, especially people that live near Memphis, seeing FedEx and stuff like that. Uh, you'll see the landing light. They're very bright. You know, Most of them are like LEDs, super bright. Uh, so that's what I thought it was out of my right window. Once again, right window. And I thought it was a landing light because once you get below 18,000 feet around a landing environment, you want to turn all your lights on so you're more visible coming into land, right? You don't want people to sneak up on you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was still dark. Uh, dusk was starting to stir. And um, I was thinking it was a landing light. And I was like, oh, there's some traffic. So uh, we keyed up to air traffic control. I was like, hey, is there any traffic? Because, you know, if you see a landing light, it's coming at you. You know, if you see it, 
it's on the oh, nose. Yeah. So it's it's coming at you. So we keyed Snap. up to him. <laughs> we keyed up to him and was like, "Hey, is there any traffic out there? We weren't picking up anything on radar." And uh, he said, "No, there's no traffic out there." And we were the only ones flying at that point. And uh, it took us a minute, and it went behind a cloud, and it kept going, and we realized Cape Canaveral was far, or not too far away. And they had shot off. They had launched a SpaceX rocket. Wow. Oh, wow. And I, I, so I saw it at eye level. I saw a SpaceX rocket uh, launch. I'll send those pictures, too, because they're pretty Please. cool. Wow. Um, um, you know, it's like, that's not something you see every day. Like, eye level yeah. to it. And that thing got out of there in a hurry. Let me tell you. It was wow. pretty pretty impressive. And to see the uh, contrails uh, oh, yeah. expanding, it's just... It it was it was really the trails cool. curved, didn't they? They curved out. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, they it's don't pretty go straight cool. Up. Yeah, that's because the Earth wow. is spinning. Oh. But you just fucking said it didn't matter about it spinning. <laughs> oh. you, see, you see what we're dealing with here? <laughs> no. Right at the end. <laughs> no, Elon Musk actually uh, said one time, and 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 I'm sure he's not the brains behind all of the rocket science but long story short he said they have to curve it because it's like to get a rocket in the space it has to skip across the atmosphere it can't just bust through it so yeah exactly to like long go into the atmosphere uh you know i guess with the curvature or with this spinning yeah um yeah but yeah so yeah can i ask one more bonus question sure have you ever, have you ever seen anything that you consider to be a ufo no, and I look every time I fly. Damn, I really yes. do. I, 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 actively look. <laughs> I actively look. Like I mentioned earlier, anytime I go across the Midwest, anywhere near the Area 51 stuff, or anywhere just remotely desolate, you know, that doesn't have really much. I look. I'm looking. My eyes are peeled. So, All right. Your eyes in the sky. Hell yeah. I, literally. Yeah, eyes in the sky. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so will, what we can do, the first yeah, next time you fly over that area, we'll just do this again and we can live stream <laughs> it on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> live stream it. That's right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. You just they like, don't allow you to use Wi Fi, I guess. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Then I might need a permanent job after that. But <laughs> <laughs> we can figure out a way. There's ways. Oh, man. That was really fun. That was very informative and thought provoking. Yeah. My, my biggest thing was because I, I have the Flight Radar 24 app. So, like, every time I hear a plane yeah. go over my house, I'll see what it is. And I get, I get a lot of, um, like Atlanta to Paris, Atlanta to Rome. I get a lot of Houston to Saudi Arabia. Um, I get a lot of Mexico City, you know, up to Europe yeah. and stuff like that. And I always see them. They go, you know, up the East Coast, up into Greenland, and then yeah. back down into, uh, you know, wherever they're going in Europe or Saudi Arabia. So mm, that's, yeah. that's, you know, since I've had that app, I've always, you know, wondered, like, why, why is they doing that? So, why do they make the 2D map like that? Why can't they just have a – why can't it be a straight line, but you just don't see it coming towards the camera in a sense that you're looking down from I mean, outer space because the map's way, you know. I mean, why don't they just do that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Most people don't question it, so why re recreate they're not it worried the wheel, about the you know? Earthers, uh, they're not yeah. they're not worried about them. They're just yeah. like we're gonna continue. Not to yet until until y'all rise. Don't say y'all, <laughs> man. We all just say, well, we're not all flat earthers here. No. I'm talking to the people listening here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Skylord, man, can't thank you enough for coming on. Seriously. 
Appreciate That's it. That's great. Great. Appreciate it. Words of Appreciate wisdom. It. And I think you convinced us all to uh, go to bed and can sleep tonight a little bit. Not Peter. No. Until Peter. next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just caused Peter to go on like a five day binge of like no sleep, <laughs> just looking up in the sky. I was going to be researching aviation. That's how, typed, that's how he types on his computer, too. Do it again. Yeah, uh, yeah don't yeah. check his history. There's going to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. to uh, there's going to be a part two to this because we're all going to go back. I'm going to find stuff that might debunk what you've said just for sure. fun. And, uh, and, and kind of, and can I play with that on the next episode? You know, and just, but it opened the door to other questions that I have going forward with this. I'm not a flat earther, but it, it's just very intriguing not to have all the answers 100% debunked or 100%. Yeah. Answered, right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, Scott Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate yeah, it too. Appreciate and, it. I mean, you're welcome on anytime. And if, if you do end up seeing something in the sky, if you do notice, you know, if, if we asked you something, you know, that kind of clicks in your mind when you're flying, let us know. Shoot us, you know, you can come on. We'll do a whole you other can. episode about it. And, yeah. Sure. And, uh, and I'm not yeah. perfect, guys. I'm not perfect. I'm sure I misspoke, and I'm sure Very somebody close. out there would be close. like, oh, oh, uh, he said this wrong, you know. Oh, there's always going to be those. Average. I'm just an average dude, guys. I'm just trying to be out here living. <laughs> Killing it, man. Yeah. Killing it. Hell yeah. Well, feel free to, to hang out with us afterwards. Probably going to have a cigar, smoke a little, or drink a little whiskey, smoke a cigar. So, oh. <laughs> you, almost, you almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> Who listens to this will watch it on Spotify. The face you made, God. You Every time up. one word, Skylar word. This dude doesn't miss a beat. It's quick. It's quick. You're about to say, have a drink, smoke a little. Uh, <laughs> you're about to say it. <laughs> oh man. For my employer, I will not partake of that. <laughs> oh man. Leave yeah. that yeah, to me. So, um, well, yeah, if you're, if you are listening to this, shoot us an email room, 2008 ENT at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Um, you know, if you kind of support either side, what you think, uh, join us next time, twitch.tv slash room, 2008 ENT. Um, any final thoughts guys, before we sign off? That was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. I enjoyed the it. Earth is more round today than it was yesterday for me. A little bit. Beautiful. The girth has expanded. <laughs> cool well join us next time join us next time and uh room 2008 is out